Boys and girls, thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Listen, you can go to Spotify right now and you can watch everything unfold. You don't, it's on the video portion is on Spotify and it's on YouTube. So either way, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Will we get kicked off Spotify as much as YouTube? I sure hope not. That'll be a good thing. That's good. That might be a good, good venue thing. for us. Uh, first up, we are brought to you by the great boss shot shells. It Home. Is- of the brand new number nines, the Stanfield nines. That's right, the Stanfield nines by Boss. Mm-hmm. Perfect for teal hunting, dove hunting, quail hunting, folks. Your it's, smaller birds. It's coming down the road where you're not going to be shooting lead no more at all. So you might as well jump on the train and get on the Stanfield nines. Also, turkey season is firing up all over the United States. You got Boss Tom out there. It is very, very wicked, and I tell you what. People loved it in Nashville. Yes, they the did. The turkey, they were buying them left and right. I didn't get to go, but that's what I heard. Yeah, so maybe next year you can come. Go check them out. They're direct to consumerbossshotshells.com, and you can order everything that you want. That simple. Also, we're brought to you by Mossberg. We shot that 940 all season long. Boy, I saw a couple of over-unders they had at their booth in Nashville. You're all about Mm-mm-mm. it. Nice, good-looking guns. Good thing about the 940 is everything is oversized, so your buttons and your and your uh, levers, you know, you're going to be, it's going to, it's a waterfowl gun. You're you can get a hold wearing of gloves. It might be fingers a little bit cold. Everything's oversized. Easy to operate in cold weather. Mossberg.com. Mossberg.com. We are also brought to you by none other than Pacific Calls. The guys up there at Pacific Calls have got a new line of turkey calls coming out. Kill Count is going to be out this week. Jeff's eating a peppermint. Sounds real good in the microphone. Um, Check them out. PacificCustomCalls.com. Listen, we got a promo code. BHP25 will save you 25% off of checkout. Whatever you get, whether it be waterfowl calls, turkey calls, doesn't matter. You can save 25% uh, PacificCustomCalls.com. Be looking for that kill count, though, because I'm very, very excited about it. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. It's time for you to get skinny. Silhouettes are the way to go. Uh, Socks, silhouettes, Dive Bomb has changed the game whenever you look at the way you set out a decoy spread. Everything, you got to get the bag so everything packs up extra nice and neat. Uh, Dive Bomb, it's an investment. Ladies and gentlemen, it's much easier to have five or ten dozen dive bombs in your trailer than it is to monkey around with full bodies all season long. They look great. They're coming out with an all new line of fully flocked decoys. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Divebombindustries.com. It's not too late to start building that spread for next year. We are also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. Mr. Alex Langbell spent a lifetime in the first responders game. He knows what you need to keep your four-legged hunting buddy safe. Field trauma kit, we got it in every vehicle out here. Stop bleeding, Keep get warmed up, cool off. Save a lot of lives. It can, so you never know when you're going to need that thing, so just have it on hand. Have one in your vehicle, have one in your hunting bag. They've also got the quick-release system. I put Lou in it every single day, tethers onto his collar, and then you just pull a little string whenever you're ready for him to go. No more dogs breaking. I hate when I see that on Instagram. Post People post these big rain outs and the dog's running out in the middle of it. Put that little fucker on the quick release system from Gun Dog Outdoors, and it might save his life. Also, we're brought to you by Shin Gear. They're not just a waiter company anymore. Bibs, well, vests, boots. Jackets. Jackets, everything. Everything. The best part about Shin Gear is every, they're, they're tailoring their stuff to be Completely waterproof. I wore their bibs all season long now that I can talk about it. Totally waterproof, totally windproof, 
hunted in a couple downpours, never got wet. Jacket, same way. Uh, they make a great product over there. And their waders are second to none. And they've got the guarantee that they will stand behind their product as long as you stand in them. So if you run into a problem, a little snag, a little burr, barbed wire, send them back, they'll fix them. Okay? Great customer service, which is lost in today's world. Jeff Jones is a great guy. Great guy, great customer service. Excellent customer service. Check them out, shingear.com. Lucky Duck. That's right. Saw Tim and Luke this last weekend in Nashville, and they have all kinds of new lines of stuff. They got a bunch of new stuff coming out. A great company. I'll tell you right now, if you put your dog in a dog kennel, it needs to be in a Lucky Duck dog kennel. That's the way Lou rides. Crash rated. Five-star crash test rated. Has a fan in there, don't got it? Got a fan in there for his little fat ass in September and October. Flat screen we're TV, hunting. watch Scooby-Doo. That's Doo. all that we need. It's got a nice little bed in there. Uh, people are varmint hunting right now. They've got an incredible sound system for, for varmints. And I tell you what, I want to shoot a raccoon. I saw... Uh, that raccoon hunting looks fun, don't it? It does look fun. You can do it with the Lucky Duck. Just got a little tail on there, and the little bastard will just come right up. Um, best day frames on the market, the Lucky Duck 2x4 blind, and the, still have the best uh, motion decoys. Spinners, they got swimmers, they got all sorts of stuff. So whatever you're needing, if you're needing to get motion into your spread, I would check out LuckyDuck.com. They're the best. We are also brought to you by the boys up at uh, the Looking Glass Podcast. Go to Patreon, type in Looking Glass Podcast. You donate to their account, and you will get their entire library of debauchery. Uh, tell you what, Logan and Rebel are some of the best human beings on earth, and they run a fantastic podcast. You need to go to Patreon right now and subscribe to their podcast. It will change your life. It will make those long drives uh, seem like minutes. So go check them out at the Looking Glass Podcast. We're also brought to you by the Hunt Proof app. Keep your hunts alive by writing them down. You will regret that when you get older if you don't. If I wish to, I, I'd give anything if I'd have had this from when I was younger to keep back all of my stuff I did. Just to keep track, the records, the hunts, the weather, what happened that day. Because, man, it just takes a little bit of reminder, and you can go back and relive all them things in your mind. You can post pictures to your entry, so not only do you have what you've written down, but if it's a special hunt and you've got a picture, you can attach it to the entry also. So uh, they're on to something over there at the Hunt Proof app, and you need to go set up an account right now. It's easy to find. Go to the App Store, whether you're iPhone, Android, whatever. Go to your App Store download the hunt proof app and start logging your hunt start logging your memories with your loved ones we're also brought to you by alpha outdoors specialties maker of the stanfield stool and from what i hear it's going to be really really nice and the blind caddy and the blind caddy they had them saw in that nashville. at nashville that's going to change the way that you sit in an a-frame keep your coffee shotgun shells keep it all out of the mud so be looking for that from alpha outdoor specialties we're also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. It is not for the faint of heart. Bangtail embodies a select few who believe in hard work and relish in the opportunity to take a step back to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Whether relaxing for a midweek swallow or communing on the weekend with quality people, Bangtail is sure to provide a truly unique and tasteful experience time and time again. With deep southern roots, Bangtail provides a first-class handcrafted whiskey experience Pour a jigger of bangtail and enjoy. Must be 21 years or older. Brought to you by Dirty Duck. There you go. If your coffee sucks, it's not the duck. They got all kinds of new stuff. They have a copper wine glass. What? Bring one of them home for Michelle. She wanted one of those. 
They had some uh, copper coffee cups, mugs. They sold out of them before I could get one of them. And they got some really cool caps. Their, their swag is out of this world. Check out DirtyDuck.com. Coffee, they ship it all over the place. Had a guy from England message me yesterday and said, hey, will they send coffee to England? Uh, I need to call, contact Buck and find out if they do. But anyways, they will ship it anywhere and everywhere, and that's Dirty Duck. If your coffee sucks, it's not the duck. The way to go. And brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. We will have David on here on the podcast next couple weeks talk about Ducks, the event at Texas Motor Speedway in May. Uh, it's crazy that that's right around the corner yep. when you think about it. Skies are full. It's because of Ducks Unlimited. They have con- conservation. Hunters are the best conservationists. Ducks Unlimited is best, the best platform for conservation in America or in the world for that matter. So please go check out DU and look for a local event. Uh, also, we're brought to you by Double T British Kennels. If you are in the market for a new little hunting buddy this off season, I would highly recommend that you go check out Double T British Kennels. They've got fantastic dogs, whatever you're looking for. New puppy, started dog, finished dog. They've got it all. Double T British Kennels, and they've got a very, very good bloodline and cute little cute little guys. We hunted over two of his dogs this past uh, winter. Adam and Sam were two of the best, very, very well-mannered, and they were really good in the field. So Double T British Kennels is the way to go. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. We've got just maybe one. We can take on one more turkey hunter this year, one or two more. No, we're booked. We're booked. Never mind. That's gone. Uh, if you want to book for dove hunting. Yep. I've got the second weekend of dove season open September 8th. And then I can do a corporate, I can do two corporate groups during the week and one in September and one in October. I don't have the dates on me right now, but anyways, holler at us. If you're looking for a dove hunt, dove season's fixing enough to start filling in. Uh, most of it's filled in already, but I do have some dove hunting spots available. Just look us up at stanfieldhunting.com. Thank Thank y'all. God bless y'all and have a wonderful week. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Ducks Unlimited's own Mr. David Schusler, and he is always a ton of fun to talk to. We talk about everything going on Ducks Unlimited right now. Into the Vault was a massive success, and now it is time for uh, show season. Uh, we talk about the coming DUX show that is going to be first part of May in at the Texas Motor Speedway. So be here before you know it. David's a great guy. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Here he is, David Schusler. couple things. And that and that. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Schubert. Yes, you have got the most worthless dog. Why? He's just sprawled out over there. Like, Andy, he's worthless. It's not hunting season now, and he knows it. He doesn't do anything there. That's his normal position during hunting he's season. Waiting the door to make sure nobody bad comes in the door. That he is, is a guard dog. 
guards the biscuits is about all he's He's going to be awful upset because we're fixing to go on vacation again. He does not like it. I have never in my life. Yeah, that's just a food bill is all he is. That's right. He is. And so are y'all. Wow. So it's just like another kid. With us today <laughs> from <laughs> Ducks Unlimited, the man who I figure is running the whole joint over there, Mr. David Schuster. David, how are you doing? Don't want to tell everybody. I'm doing well, but I am not running the whole joint. Thank God. <laughs> would that not be a good job? I think it would be a great job, but it's uh I have I have all that I can say grace over. So, our, our CEO, Adam Putnam, does a phenomenal job at running the whole show. How many, that would and, be how many, steps, how many steps above you, you would it take for you to be the CEO of Ducks Limited? I report directly to Adam Putnam. So he is your boss. Yes. So the next step would be, we would be introducing you as the CEO of Ducks Unlimited would be the next step up. Uh, in theory, but... I love doing what I, I love events. Right. I love events. When I started 24 years ago, that's what I wanted to do is work in event fundraising for Ducks Unlimited. It's still what I do today. You, you don't go to work for many days, do you? You do what you like to uh, do. I, I, have, I love what yeah, I do. That's that's the key to life. There are some, there are some days that are more fun than others. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I love what I do. It's not it it um it is it's not a job. Let's put it that way. It's a it's a passion. It, it ima- don't you feel so sorry for people that wake up and have to go to work every day? And there's tons of them listening to this part. Ninety percent of the people that listen to this do, and I feel sorry for them. I really do because it would suck. Now a lot of them have jobs they like, but man, I my first job I was a, a gro I sat groceries. My first real job, I guess. I worked in, on a milk route. I like that, but. When I was 16 years old, I got a job at Albertsons. My mom got me this job at Albertsons sacking groceries. Absolutely sucked. Everybody bitches at the poor guy that sacks groceries. <laughs> egg prices too much. The milk's out of date. Boy, you thought Frozen you got bitched milk. at for high egg prices. Imagine that poor kid oh, today. I never bitch at the grocery. I, I always tip the guy who takes my groceries out now, too, because I never got tips either. So I always tip the guy. But I hated it. Absolutely hated my job. Had to wear a freaking blue tie to work every day to sack groceries. It sucked. <laughs> I'll never forget that. My, my my first my first job as an adult, I did some pretty bad ones working for my family's businesses when I was young. But my first job as a an adult was running a coffee route. Coffee in a coat and tie. Coffee Ugh. route. Yes, I ran, I ran a route for a coffee importer and roaster um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I would go into the law firms and the accounting firms. And um, and and manage their coffee stock, and I learned so much doing that. First, was self discipline because if I didn't get all that work done Monday through Friday, I had to go do it on a Saturday. Hell with that. Or a Sunday. And what I've done to this day, when I am at a convenience store, a grocery store, and there's a guy coming in with a a dolly or a hand truck full of product, I always hold the door because I have. I know what that guy's going through trying to get his route done. I've so, never thought about that. So you would go to all these different businesses and, and make sure that they had everything that they needed. You think there's coffee just did? Well, just, I never thought about it. Just blows up under the to- I you thought close the, door and it's just there? I, I thought the secretary might be in charge of it. I <laughs> didn't know. Shit. No. Well, I mean, in, in small offices, right. they probably are. But, you know, in a law firm that's doing 
hundreds of hours of depositions every week. They have to have coffee and soft drinks and tea and hot chocolate and napkins. And so that's this company that I worked for. That's what we did. We 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 managed all of their inventory for them and did it in a coat and tie <laughs> so we could look like an associate walking down the hallway. <laughs> One of my first jobs was I worked uh, I worked at a golf course and I loved it. But like you've only had four jobs in your entire life. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I like working at the golf course. But I can tell you what, there was a lot of guys that that was the end of the road for them. It was as good as it was going to get, and that. That made me feel bad because I worked it as a summer job. In I just graduated college and I needed something to tie me over until hunting season. So I cut cut greens on a golf course and was a go for a little bit. But like, other than one other kid that was in college, it was a it was as it was a, the guys were at the top of the chain. They were as high as they were ever going to get, and that made me feel bad. Like I remember my last day. Um, you know, you, you tell that you give them the two weeks and then your last day rolls around and I'm like, I'm moving on to do what I want to do. And these guys are stuck here. So that I felt, felt a little bad about that. Andy worked with a guy that had a short arm like T-Rex and he was a, he was a weed eating guy. And Andy said that guy could run a weed eater. He could, he could run that weed eater one handed, <laughs> but I felt bad. That's I felt awful. bad though. Was, Cause you know, a little bit of guilt. I, I don't know why, but these guys made their choices. But you, but you made you work hard though yeah. didn't it yeah i loved it and i mean i worked you know there were shitty jobs out here but that was one that i really enjoyed but you, you know. have good work ethic you're gonna be real good at everywhere you go i didn't have such good work ethics so i'm sure looking back i was a shitty sacker of groceries because <laughs> i was already probably had a bad attitude and you wonder why people were bitching at you <laughs> well no they bitched with me i was the kind of guy <laughs> you could bitch to about stuff because they probably would bitch and say boy egg prices are too much i'm like no shit you know united's got them down the road 20 cents cheaper i don't know why you're not going there that's probably the kind of guy I was. I was not a company employee, I bet. Not a company man at all. Looking back, no, probably I wasn't. But so <laughs> Ducks Unlimited, do y'all hire kids in the in the summer to work for y'all? We do. We have an intern program. Um, some of it, I, I look at them um, from time to time. Like the really cool ones are with our conservation staff spending the summer up in the Arctic checking on snow geese nests and you know in the internship it'll say <laughs> you can't be afraid <laughs> of bears <laughs> like that so there's some really really neat ones on our conservation side uh, we have a few here in the office that are business related we'll have a um, three or four every summer I, uh, that kids will come in and, and we try to match them up with what they're studying mm -hmm. um, especially if they're receiving a course credit for it if uh actually my son interned last year in our communications department that's his major uh with a a focus on film so they had him running cameras and writing scripts and i, I hardly ever that would saw be a cool him. job that, um that's something yeah. andy on the road with boss we ought to go do some duck banding that would be a cool episode yeah it would be it would be really cool i'd, I'd be game for that you can you get us taken care of david yeah. on that to get on a banding program i can get you taken what's he now banding is fun to me what's even better is dragging chains for nests take two four-wheelers and uh you're going to drag them through a you know prairie upland and the train the chains will drag over the nest they won't disturb the nest but the hens jump and as soon as a hen jumps you want to go and mark that nest so you try to figure out where it is and you run over it. it's kind of like 
chasing a cripple, <laughs> right? You're like, hey, fellas, we're here somewhere. And so you start you start walking out your squares, and then you find the nest, and they'll you know put a flag on it if they want to mark that hen and see what she's doing and everything. There's all kind of neat stuff. We'll get you hooked up with um, the folks out of our Great Plains office up in the the Prairie Pothole region, the breeding grounds. They'd love to show that you all that. That would be really stuff. a cool really episode. Cool. What did uh, the pintails? They are they farmers kill a lot of pintail hens. That that breed of duck specifically is is a field duck in the middle of fields. Am I correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. One of the when duck, they nest. one of the nesting ducks, and I, I thought it was pintails. And they said that's what's hurting their numbers too. Well, so a pintail will readily nest in a agricultural field. So that's what makes them susceptible to that. It's um, unlike a mallard um, or others, a pintail will go, yeah, I'll make a home out in that wheat. And lo and behold, it's time for wheat harvest. And there you go. If it's summer, if it's spring wheat, mm -hmm. if it's winter wheat, the growth rate actually allows pintails to nest, get off the nest um, before the harvest. Huh. So we got to teach our pintails which wheat's wheat. That's right. <laughs> you need to and, and, and promoting um, winter wheat is a big part of what we do on that landscape up there, not only because it's good for pintails and some other ducks will make a go in it as well. Um, oftentimes, it will be a better producing crop for the farmer as well. But it's part of that education process of why it's, um, you know, why it's better to plant winter wheat than spring wheat. And so that's just one of the ways that we'll work up, especially in Saskatchewan and Alberta, um, to try to to partner with those on the landscape that's growing our food um, and find something that's beneficial for humans and for nesting ducks at the same time. When will they harvest like winter wheat up there? October, September. Same. Well, it grows quicker. It does grow quicker? It grows quicker. Because yep. we harvest ours in what, May? Yeah, and they'll, they'll move the harvest. I understand. Will go north. They go north. But they'll be cutting wheat in October still in Saskatchewan in some places. September, October. So, how do you sell it to the guys? Like, hey, you're going to do wheat anyway. Just do it in the do it in the winter, and then just you don't have to mess with it in the spring. Show them the science, and I've not done it. Remembering, sure. I'm the fundraiser, <laughs> guy, but um, you show them the science, the science, and you know the the yields, and here's what your neighbor did last yeah. year. Take a look at this. Oh. Um, and it's just the education process. Speaking of education, I'm glad you brought this up. I read today that Manitoba is trying to implement a non-american hunting up there except for 1200 license a year unless you hunt with an outfitter and then they're going to give outfitters up there maybe 1500 i may be right wrong on my numbers i, I think can look it up real quick. i think it's like 2700 total license to american hunters which would be down about 80 percent of what's normal and ducks unlimited ducks Correct. unlimited is actually fighting this for the american hunter and they said saskatchewan we, is now considering it yeah we vehemently opposed um, in fact, there's a letter out there. Um, it was, uh, I mean, it's public knowledge on it. Um, but I saw it run in the Minneapolis paper. They actually ran our letter this past Sunday. I think Sunday. that's what I read. Y'all spent like $277 million in Manitoba in the last couple, 10 years, maybe 20 years. I, I can't, I, I can't give the specific dollar amount but with parts of manitoba being in the duck factory we have spent 
quite a bit of money there um, with our partner, DU Canada, and we were definitely opposed to that, um, what, they're, what they're doing with reducing out-of-country out of hunters to a uh, draw. So what's the, what's the thinking behind this? What's Manitoba thinking would be the benefit of limiting the amount of American hunters that can go up there? I think part of it is uh, trying to provide a better resource for uh, Manitoba residents. Um, part of it is, uh, and these are things that I've read. I, I was not involved in the back and forth with them up there. Um, and, and part of it is trying to streamline the process of access to private lands. I mean, you can imagine how many times your door gets knocked on in some parts of uh, in some parts of the world up there. And I'm sure part of it is to benefit Manitoba guys. Right. But you know, this is not foreign to the United States. South Dakota has a draw process for out-of-state waterfowl hunters. Right. Uh, I think that's going to change. And, and I think some, there's going to be more of that. I could be. In some states that I've lived in, and I, I actually – kind of like this, uh, North Carolina being one of them. There were some real high-quality high public hunting areas, especially down around the coast, and it, you would put in for your draw prior to the season. Um, now, this isn't a, like, this isn't Ducks Unlimited. I'm saying that this is Ducks Unlimited's stance or anything. This was me as a public land hunter in North Carolina I enjoyed putting in for that draw and prior to the season going, okay, here's the two weekends that I'm going to get to go and hunt Pamlico Point and know that they're, we're managing the number of hunters on that public area where everybody could spread out and have a good high quality hunt. Um, but it's different state to state. But I enjoyed that in North Carolina uh, just because it kept the boat races down and and uh, you knew you knew you you would be able to go into these units and go find a place, especially if you scouted the afternoon before and get a get under some birds. I saw that uh, one of the things in Manitoba was if you owned a hunting camp up there and you were an American, you could get a you could get a license to hunt, and then you could have four um, guest licenses basically. So if you owned a hundred acre duck camp there or whatever it was, you could get up to five licenses for you and your four buddies. And um, I understand Arkansas, they've got places that they don't let out-of-state residents hunt certain areas. And I, and as a, as a non-resident of Arkansas, I understand that. If I lived in Arkansas, I'd feel that way too. My question is... If, yeah, the state area. Yeah, go I, ahead. I, but let's say somebody like Jerry Jones owns the Dallas Cowboys. He owns a duck camp in, in Arkansas. He should be able to go in there and hunt, even though he does not live in Arkansas resident. He's a resident of Texas. He owns a million-dollar property there. He should be able to hunt public if he wanted to, because he pays taxes there. Uh, yeah. So, it, and it is on those public state areas, um, and and I hunt Arkansas. I don't hunt public often, but what they've done is just broken it into, all right, this ten days and or a week is for in-state residents. The next week is in-state and out-of-state. I believe is the way it's done. If you're in-state, you can still go in. Um, speaking to it personally, and again, this is just David Schusler being there and watching it. 
I think they felt it was needed just because of the number of people who were trying to access those areas, which is almost comical at times. Um, you know, boat, boat ramps with people camping out a week before opening day. Like That's I have crazy. witnessed that. I've driven by and go, that guy right now is camping at this boat ramp a week before the season That's starts nuts. to be the third guy in the woods on opening day. Jeez. Is the, is the Claypool reservoir, is that public or is that um, off limits? Is that a completely refuge type area? It's, it's private. It, it was, it was always private. Um, and I've, uh, talked to some people who, or I know some people who get to hunt it, um, from time to time. Um, I will tell you that the picture that you yeah. see is not play pools every single day. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, that was for the, um, ABC, the wild world. Yeah. I've got that picture in my, yeah. in the, they're my officers in the dining hall. We've yeah. got that picture here. A guy How gave that to me as a gift. What did they say? That 250,000, I oh, think. I thought it was more than that. I think it was 250,000 in that picture. <clears throat> it was on ABC Maybe. Wide World of Sports. I had a, I, I read a deal a couple of days ago, a guy that used to guide in Arkansas, and he had a place behind his house that they never hunted. They never went in in the morning, and he said, I had 20,000 ducks that was on my place every day. And he said we would lay, we'd let them go out and we would start hunting at eight or nine o'clock in the morning and we would shoot ducks and we'd go back. And he said we did it for twenty years. And he said this year he did not hunt. The last couple of years he hasn't hunted the ducks. He said he had twenty one ducks on it this year. It was at twenty thousand ducks just ten years ago. And he said and he said we do the same thing now as we did then. Just talking about how the duck numbers have changed in certain places there. Yeah, I mean they've they've changed. For a lot of reasons. I mean, 20 years ago, there might not have been 100,000 acres of habitat around him. Um, it's, you know, I've even seen it on our areas that uh, one farm that was really, really good 20 years ago because of literally how they changed the levees on one of these big reservoirs that holds water to rice farm with went in and cleaned up the levees, took down all the trees. All of a sudden, those birds don't like that reservoir anymore. I don't know if they don't feel um, safe in it. Uh, do the snow geese feel more content in it? And so now the mallards aren't using it the way that they used to. Um, I've hunted Arkansas enough years now to have watched those types of changes. And of course, the specs that now come to Arkansas has that they've changed a lot as well. Because a goose can drive a duck. Right, like I mean, I, you fill you fill up you fill up a five six acre reservoir with geese. There are not a lot of ducks that are going to want to sit and spend the night in there and go out the next yeah. morning. We've noted. I think so. that <clears throat> I think specs drive away other geese too. I think I think Canada's little Canada's are also driven out by specs because I don't know if it was just happenstance, but I mean, out here we had we were. Always had a lot of little Canadas, and then the spec numbers kept showing up more and more and more. And now we, now that could also too be weather related and drought related and everything else. But I think part of it has to do with speckle bellies. Yeah, I think they just might be assholes on the roost lake. I don't think. I think they are, um, and I love to hunt them, so I don't mind seeing a field, you know, one of our rice fields fill up with specks mm -hmm. one night. Um, or a reservoir fill up with specs one night, but I've noticed that generally when it does that, we, we're not killing mallards the 
like we were 15 years ago, but boy, we're killing a lot of specs. Um, back to the, back to the Manitoba thing. I wonder if there's a balance that they could strike that would make both sides happy. Like, would it be more tags or is it, or is it, uh, just kind of looked at a, like anything that infringes anybody going up to Manitoba is a loss for us. I don't think the Canadian government really cares about hunters regardless. Canadian or American hunters. So I don't think it's a big, I think this is the steps that we're seeing taken by the Canadian government to take the American guns out of Canada. I really believe that. I mean, so I, you think 10 years, 15 years from now, there's no Americans going up there. I is think, that what Jeff Stanfield is saying? Yes. I think that's the way we're going towards the deal, unless they have a change in politics up there. But I think with Trudeau and I'm not trying to get into politics, but I think with him in charge, he is not for the hunter. I mean, they've banned pistols, they've banned everything, and I think they're going to have to go after rifles next. So I, I think it's just a political move to try to make it harder and harder. And if you if you get people not going there and it gets harder and harder, people just quit going. Because if they were if it wasn't about politics, there's no reason financially they would be doing this. They're nothing but losing. Because you go to these small towns, those people want those hunters there. That's how they make a living. I mean, it'd be like Arkansas saying we're going to do away with duck hunters. Why would you do that? Well, they wouldn't come out and say that. But but why would, would you do, do? They would have another policy that would. But but I'm saying it's. Too, that's why I don't know that this is political. I don't even know that duck hunters are on Trudeau's radar. I don't think it's duck hunters. I think it's just people with guns or Manitoba. Because well, I don't Manitoba's know if it's him or uh, Manitoba's the one that's making these rules. Not true. If Trudeau well, was doing it, it'd be Canada wide. Right, but Saskatchewan is following suit too. But I but think that's the, not Trudeau. That I think is it's liberals the, are running everything. That is that province. Okay, David, you throw yours two cents in here. Tell me I'm right. <sighs> Knowing what I know about Canadian politics, I think the provinces are making these decisions for themselves. And I would be very surprised if Saskatchewan goes to this. It would it would really surprise me because the number of hunters, while we all know people that go to Canada, when you break it down, the number of hunters that go up there every year um, pales in comparison to what we would have in the U.S. Now, they are very important in those small prairie towns. And I've been up there and seen it when, a, you know, on a Tuesday night at a local Chinese restaurant, there's 80 people in there and 60 of us are hunters. Um I don't know if I can tie it back into uh, me personally, if I can tie it back into any type of firearm deal. I can't put my finger on what's going on. Um, I don't know if it's just a South Dakota thing where we just, we want our birds for ourselves. Right. Ain't it funny how there's Chinese restaurants in every little town? South Dakota, for all you South Dakota listeners, you're a great state. I love you. <laughs> you're wonderful people. But I think that's what the South Dakota, um, the whole genesis of that is is that they you know they want south dakotans to have first shot at quality that, i agree with you on the south dakota part 100 percent. i don't know about the canada part because i don't think there's enough people there that live locally that do enough waterfowl hunting so i so I, i'm looking at this right now it says re- this is proposed reducing the total number of waterfowl license available to foreigners to 2900 1,200 of which will be available to Manitoba licensed outfitters. So there'll be 1,700 freelancers. Is that 
Am I reading that right? Yes, they're wanting people to go hunt with the outfitters that do go to Manitoba is also one of the things they're trying to push for. Issuing by lottery, 1,300 license available to non-Canadian. So, anyway. What's a Canadian license? We haven't been up there in a while. What's 200 bucks? Don't give me one. That sounds right. So, they're going to lose about, well, 200, 1,000, a quarter of a million dollars in revenue is all them sales are worth. I mean... I don't know. I mean, they shut down their border and they shut off all their fishing, and there's a whole lot more people go up there go fishing than they do hunting. You know, it, but so so let me just offer this up for thought. Um, Manitoba's the first. Quebec hasn't done this, and if you look at the politics of, <laughs> yeah, generally right, generally it's gonna it's gonna skew a little more to the right. left the farther east yeah. you go. So I think it's interesting that a province like Manitoba, which is more akin to the central part of our United States, would be one of the, to be the first province. To but do Quebec this. or British Columbia is the Californias of Canada. Right. And what, and what you're saying, David, is you would expect that you would expect them to be one of the first ones to implement a policy like this, not Manitoba. I mean, I, I've always considered Alberta is Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Saskatchewan is kind of Oklahoma, Kansas. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I find that interesting. Yeah, I would agree with you on that, too. I would have thought it would be the far left or the far right province that would make that first move. Not there in the prairies. No, not in the prairies. But but they are doing this, and then they're getting some some flack for it. I don't know what the, it ends up happening in the long run, but I'm afraid it's something that's going to continue to go on and on and on. Or they're going to get smart, and they're going to say, we're going to limit it, and we're going to increase the price to $500 a license and double the revenue and still get people to fill it up. And there will still be people that go up there. Yeah, in a heartbeat. They could go to $1,000 for a five-day license up there, and they would sell all their license out in a heartbeat. Because hunting, unfortunately, is becoming just like it is over in Europe. is becoming a wealthy man's sport. Unless you live in a, unless yes. you live in a state that's got a lot of public land, that's what you're dealing with nowadays. Unfortunately, yes. And we need more... We need more public areas to hunt. It's just very, very difficult yep. to build. We need to get more kids uh, hunting. We are we have crossed the demographics though, and I noticed this year we have a lot more women hunters. Women hunters are getting to be very common up here, mm -hmm. and we're seeing a lot more people of color. And I'm not trying to sound like a racist. I don't know what the proper wording is for it, but we don't have the lily pasty white hunter all the time. We have a lot more people that are on the other side. It's more diverse. It's a yes. more diverse crowd. Yeah, it sounds better than my way of saying it. But it meant the same thing. That's why I'm here, Jeff. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but but we, we need that. Oh, and, and that's awesome. I mean, we're we're seeing the same thing um, inside of our membership base, uh, especially our university chapters. And we hold a uh, an annual symposium where we invite the leaders of our 120 university chapters from around the country in for one weekend in August. And uh, to stand on that stage and to look out, and for somebody that's been doing what I've, what I do for a quarter century now, and to see all the different faces, and it's just it's really really cool, and it gives me hope that it's not just going to go away like it has in some parts of the world. I think it's 
great. I think it's, it's awesome. Growing like crazy. What's the number one college? Is it Ole Miss, Texas A and M? Who is it? Auburn. It depends. It depends on the year. So there's a, a group of about six or seven that'll vie for the largest every year, and that'll be. Um, oh Lord, I'm going to forget one of them, and then I'm going to get phone calls. But it's going to be Texas A&M, LSU, uh, Nebraska, um, East Carolina, Ole Miss um, is a big one. I don't know if they've been number one yet. Um, then every once in a while, you'll get like Milwaukee School of Engineering <laughs> that'll just boom. That's crazy. Pop out of nowhere. It's so rewarding to watch the dedication and the interest of that age group and how serious they are, uh, not only about uh, raising funds for Ducks Unlimited for our conservation work, but just how interested that generation is in conservation and knowing that we need to do things like wetlands conservation just for the health of the planet, but also wetlands and waterfowl conservation to make sure we have sustainable populations. It's it, it recharges me every year. It's the first weekend in August of every year, and I come out of it just, I'm ready. I'm ready for fundraising season. I'm ready for hunting season. I'm I'm just, I'm ready to have more kids. <laughs> because well, I do not I, want to go to that thing. This is so watching these kids do this. Uh that might be a that might be a good show too, seriously to come and interact with these these eighteen to twenty two year olds and hear their stories it, because so many of them so many of their stories are I wasn't a hunter and I was walking through campus and this group was set up and I thought hmm, that might be interested and two years later they're a dyed in the wool duck hunt. That is cool. That what, is cool. What happens with uh, uh, I've never been to a DU banquet at a college. I've always been to the adult ones, and they've always got the fancy feathers. Are those girls that ever, ever do you banquet in America have got the girls and the little? That's not common. That's just a Texas deal. Wichita Falls. Uh, it's it's very prevalent. Yes, it is. Texas. Everyone ever I've been to in uh, Texas is Adam. It's very prevalent there, and I refer to them. They as sell a tickets. bunch of raffle tickets. And, and there are several groups in Texas, and and they do. Um, your, uh, your standard university event, uh, might be a, a little bit rowdier than a, uh, than, a uh, an adult event, probably more raffles, more games. Um, a lot of them have live music, Adam, uh, not a full bar. It's probably just keg beer there that's donated by the local and we do check IDs and all of that, but it, it's, it's about what you think it would be. A low, a lower version of the adult uh, one without the girls rowdy. selling raffle tickets. A little, little rowdy. But they do raise a lot of, a lot of funds and they're very serious about it. It's incredibly competitive. You get those big 12 and those SEC and those ACC schools competing against each other and they're, they want to go at it as hard as the football players do on Saturday to win and, and be able to look across the state and go, we whipped your ass. Yeah, I had, a, I had a kid from Ole Miss here this year, and I said something to him. I, he said, I'm in the Ole Miss DU. I said, oh, I said, y'all pretty big, biggest in the country. I, said, I thought A&M was, oh, hell no, we are something Popped like his that. Chest right he on got up. all worked up over it. I was like, I didn't know that. And I, said, you know, I thought A&M was the number one college DU fraternity every year or DU chapter. And – uh, they they held it for three or four years, but like you know, even like 
football teams over in Alabama. Uh, it did come to go. You mean Georgia now? <laughs> it, yes, it, it, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Other than Georgia, it comes and goes. What uh... says 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 the Auburn grad who now has had to sit and watch him on both sides oh. of us? I I'm sick of I'm sick of that whole. Of what? Bama, Georgia. I'm, it's, I'm, it's done. They're done I'm now. Done with, I'm done with them. Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. It's over for them all. I'm just telling you. Yeah, right. Give it, Texas definitely ain't going to be the one to spoil anybody's parade. I would I would say you're probably correct Hate on to that. tell you. Um, so let's talk about snow goose hunting. We Jeff has heard, and I don't know where he's come up with some of these things. I'm usually right, though. That's what's funny. It's like a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Texas is going to do away with their conservation season. I think they did do away with their conservation season. For next year? I, th- I think it was done this year. Well, was there anything even here to hunt? You could have hunt, You could have done a snow goose hunt here uh, two weeks ago. No, you couldn't. Yes, you bullshit. There Jeff, was 10,000 birds Jeff, right north of my house. Jeff, I was there. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you about that. I heard Texas done away with their conservation season. I don't know. I don't conservation hunt. If there was 50,000 snow geese across the road from Lodge right now, I would stop and look to see if I saw any collars. Then I'd drive down the road because I could give two shits about shooting them. But that's what I'd heard. I also heard that it was going to be a trend that maybe they were going to push on to this nationally, that they were going to kind of phase out this conservation season. Is there any truth to that, or is that just a rumor I heard? I, that is the first that I've We're heard. News, that's right. Fox News. I have, heard, <laughs> I have heard nothing about that. So I would say that this is just a conspiracy. And I would. I would wonder why. I don't understand why Texas is doing away with it. Unless it doesn't have the desired results. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why Texas would. It's kind of well, like Manitoba I mean, it, being the first one to implement this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I hunt them about every four or mm-hmm. five years. Did a hunt this year. It was the perfect two days. 32 one day, 34 the next, and they were all pairs. So it was good you know, solid shooting, but didn't have to clean 200 of them. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't great hunting in central Arkansas during the conservation order, but I mean, there were people killing, there were people with 125, 200 bird days that I was, you know, hearing about. I've seen some pictures of some guys, but you, but again, you don't see the pictures of the guys that shoot four. Well, that's true too. So you only see the big ones, but but I don't understand why they get rid of it. Did anybody, so Arkansas, because I'd heard conflicting reports, because I'd heard for a while there, there was, it was kind of bleak for a little bit. Did it finally pick up in Arkansas? No, I think it, it, it went down pretty quick. It did. I mean, the first, the first week there were some people killing birds. The, uh, the thing that Max Prairie Wings does, the tournament that Sunday, yep. um, their numbers were probably half if not lower than that, than prior years. But I can tell you from somebody that hunted there for two weeks, we watched them going north. You know, while we were duck hunting, you'd look up and go, not going to be much of a snow goose season, but we still went. And all we shot was, all we shot were high traveling birds. Really? We just had enough so, yeah, rotators and had the, you know, had the speakers just right. And we were in a pit and a dry field that'll have rice in it next year. So it's, you know, it's still a thousand decoys to put out, but when you're doing it in tennis shoes and jumping a pit instead of the backboards, it's it's an easy hunt, a comfortable hunt, and it was fun. I'd hate for them to take it away. Because when when January, when we were in January, like we finished out our season in shorts, I mean t-shirts, it was hot. 
So, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine where the snow geese finally settled. I saw a guy had put a post on yesterday or the day before, and he was, well, my, my damn outfitter canceled on me shooting snow geese in Arkansas. I'm thinking, and he was going to go next week. I thought, first week of March, what do you expect? I mean, I don't know typically yeah. how long, but isn't that late to be booking a hunt in Arkansas anyways? I would say it would be. Um, on a good cold year, which... You know, we had it around Christmas, right? And then it, um, then it, you know, it got warm. But I, you know, just in traveling through the state in February, I mean, it's if we have one of those Februarys where we have a couple of snows and some ice and it stays cold, yeah, third, third week of February into the first of March, you can see them. But on average, if I'm going to hunt them, it's going to be the first two weeks after duck season. That's what I would think so too. Well, I saw pictures yesterday of the. What's the place? Mound City, Missouri. What's that? Uh, yeah. Squaw Creek. Is that what mm-hmm. it's called? Amazing, the picture. I'd like to just see all the geese on that lake. I think Missouri's got a bunch of birds. It is crazy. Oh, they started picking. Yeah, they started the, the, between when duck season closed and I think the 9th of February, they picked up some ungodly amount of snow geese there at that spot, Squaw Creek. So that was that was the push. The push was right out of duck season because uh, we had strong south winds for about five days. And, you know, you'd hear them over Memphis. I mean, when they go and they get on one of those mass movements north, you walk outside in the middle of the afternoon, and if you stand in one spot long enough, you'll hear you'll hear a flock flying over. That would be pretty cool to see. Mom had a big flock fly over the house last night. What is it about? Has it always been Mound City, or is this something that they just kind of hear for two, three years, and then they're at another spot for? I think it's historically been pretty good. Well, I think I think that's a. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, that's a WMA. Yeah, and it's so they go there every year. So yeah, there's it's a big national wildlife refuge. That's a staging area. They're waiting for everything to thaw north of there. It's kind of that temperature break right there. Um, I mean, Lord knows they're not going to start pouring into the Dakotas right now because they're filling up with snow. Right. And uh, so they're just sitting in Missouri waiting. What's that? Is just, that snow going to do anything to anything that's already up there? I mean, that's got to be pretty detrimental to anything that we No, that's there. great for the ducks. It'll be great duck. Um, really? It's not no. good for the ducks? Yes, yes it's really yeah, good. It so um, North Dakota had phenomenal uh, snowpack. Um, going into the end of duck season, they've received more. South Dakota was a little um, behind them, but over the past week have received some areas up to a foot. Um, tonight, they're going to get snow up there, and every snow between now and when it thaws is just more water that's going to – more snow that's going to thaw and make water and run off into potholes. And the Dakotas are lining up to have really good production this year because of the heavy snowfall. In fact, I um, now we're talking about all of North America in this next statement, but I saw a chart the other day that our, our, snow, our snow on the ground right now in North America, um, and this charts it from November all the way up to now and then all the way down to April and May, up, way up north, um, is higher. We have higher amounts of snow than we've had since 1982, the highest amount since 1982. Supposed wow. to have an- and California, California is finally getting water and snow. They th- that might be a drought breaker 
for them out there, which is great. Yeah, I saw what L- L.A. Great. was getting snow up in the in the mountains up above them. So, I mean, it, it even came yeah. into Southern California. And that mountain snow is what's so important. And they get that stuff three and four feet at a time. They're under a blizzard warning right now, if I'm not mistaken, because that snow will melt quickly and it goes to creeks and rivers that goes right into reservoirs. And, you know, all the ditches that farmers can pull off of in the Central Valley and they were so dry. And um, so I'm very happy for my California waterfowlers out there listening. I know that everything's not perfect, but um, I'm so happy that God has finally sent y'all um, some good precipitation to to let you have some water to drink and water to hunt over next year. Hopefully. Maybe those idiots won't let it all go in the ocean. Well, if they can just figure out what the Thule Lake uh, fiasco, that'd be another big step in the right direction for California. Um, I also saw that April 2nd, we're supposed to have another big snowstorm. It's early numbers, but it's showing snow all the way down to here. I saw it yesterday. In April? April 2nd, they showed snowfall clear in the Screw up my Texas. turkey season so bad. Well, I'm just telling you what it said. Showed up big snow April 2nd, all I, the way from Texas, all the way to the Canadian border. Now, this is not a turkey, you know, not a turkey show, I guess, but I don't, it's been so hot in February and it's looking like March. I don't know what that's going to do to the breeding for turkeys because I would think with the nicer weather that would put them into breeding mode. They're going to be all jacked up by the time I get to mess with them is what I'm afraid of. I don't know, Andy. Well, I can tell you. I'm not a turkey know. guy. David, are you a turkey guy? No, I can talk about bass fishing, but not turkey. Yeah, I'm the same with you too right there on that deal. You going to be at the Bass Classic? I'm not. We will We will um, be there. Now, uh, some of my folks will be there, but I'm not going to be able to go over. I'm I, And I can't, I think we have a board meeting that what, what, what are the exact dates of that? March 28th, 29th, I think are the dates. I don't have my phone. It's my truck. I think it's March 28th, whatever the last weekend in March is. Yeah. I'm traveling somewhere and I can't remember where because I did get an invitation to go to it, but couldn't. I remember looking at my schedule and figuring out that I couldn't make it. Hmm. What? That's in Knoxville. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah Knoxville. Yeah. It's in Knoxville. What, uh, see, and as warm as this winter was, that snow report surprises me that this is the snowiest winter since 1982. It's all coming at once. I well, guess. You just got snowed out well, of South Dakota. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, across, a, a, now remember, yes, that's across North America. Right. That's a pretty big area. Right. Um, if you think about those poor souls in Syracuse, when was that? Back in November yes. and early December? Uh, yeah, 80 yeah. inches of snow or something in two days. Buffalo yeah, area, crazy like. That. I think didn't they change an NFL game because of yes. that? Yes. Didn't the Bills? Bills in Cleveland. The Bills played or something like that. Yeah, it's funny too. I've got a friend of mine in Buffalo, and on her Facebook, she would take a picture like every four hours, and I'd say like, "Show us the outdoors," because you know it's halfway up her door. Well, shit, six foot door was completely full of snow, and then like three weeks later, she showed her backyard is completely brown. There was no snow in her yard because I'm thinking when you Doesn't get that last. kind of snow, you're going to be by the time March gets here, your ass is going to be living in an igloo. But it, all the snow completely had completely melted away like three weeks later. But that see, that's what's different than it used to be. <coughs> Excuse me. A long time ago, when those people in the Midwest got snow, it just piled up all year long. Right. So when Kansas City, if you got six inches of snow, 
two months later, you might still have six inches of snow, but that ground was still white all winter long. Nebraska, the Dakotas. Well, nowadays it's not that way anymore. We haven't had white grounds in the Dakotas that stayed, you know, used to you'd get snow by Thanksgiving. I had a guy here the other day to haul cutting and he was told, he told me that he said, we usually have, we, and they lived in the Dakotas. He said, usually we, when we would, uh, uh, during Halloween, he said, we would Halloween, we would uh, trick or treat in snow and cl- in, in snow boots all the time. He said that was common. And there was gr- snow on the ground until almost Easter every year. You know, it's not that way anymore. So this year, at least we're having some long-term snow on the ground, which will saturate that ground. Yeah. So that, that, and frozen is the ground. Well, if you get a quick warm up, right. If it's a quick warm up, is when it melts quickly and flows into basins and creates places for ducks to reproduce. So I'm assuming people in Grand Forks should be awful nervous this year. They're going to have flooding in town because when we have a, Big long snow like this, and we get any kind of rains in May or June, they flood a lot, don't they? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and we'll see it in Memphis. Yep, really. Um, the, that what well, that water's got to go somewhere, and it comes right down that river. Now, when Memphis floods, it's not Grand Forks type flooding. They built this city on a bluff to stay away from that, but we'll see the we'll see the river rise and probably go to flood stage when it all comes down. Yeah. Isn't that, that they just had a bad flood there a couple of years ago, didn't Where? they? Grand Forks. Oh, they have it every, about every every time we have big snows, they have it that year. The only difference between Grand Forks and Memphis is the crime rate. But is, is that lower. the one that that rose in the middle of the night and had to get everybody? Yes, people were scrambling yeah. to get out because it hit at a weird time. Yeah, David, let's let's yep. talk ducks now. The big DU event is D-U-X. Texas Motor Speedway, and that is going to be on May. Is it fifth, sixth, and seventh? Five, six, and seven, and I have breaking news. Nobody knows this. This is the first media outlet for this to be announced. Uh oh. Are you ready? Yes. We still need a drum roll button. (laughs) There it is. Um, Purina is bringing their incredible dog challenge to DUX. So, um, NBC Sports will be set up filming, and this is the one that you see where the dogs are going through the the agility cones mm-hmm. and the jumping frisbees and the big long water jumps. So um, Purina has been so happy with the what's going on at DUX that this year they said we want to bring our one of our Keystone Canine events. Uh, to it, so they are going to film the incredible dog challenge at DUX this year. Okay, somebody's going to ask, and how can they enter their dog? Can they? You will need to go to the. Yes, you can. My understanding is it's open. I believe uh, it's a. It's a. This is the Eastern Regional, so I believe it's it's open for people. They will need to go to the Purina website to figure how to do that. The Eastern Regionals is in Texas. We've never been Eastern regionals at anything. That's why yeah, they're far east. Uh, it's kind of almost East Texas. Yeah. So do they they're have? Not, they're not in Texas. Do they have a ten and over dog deal? You should put Lou in if they do. No. Those dogs are machines. <laughs> they. Uh, so the the um, qualifiers will be Friday, and then Saturday will be the uh, the finals, and, and they'll be set up South Paddock, and then Sunday they'll be doing. All of the, you know, Mike Stewart and Wild Rose Kennels will be doing all of their 
regular training demonstration and their educational seminars. But we're excited that Purina has trusted us to host this big NBC Sports um, deal at our DUS. So awesome. how does the NBC, this uh, NBC Sports thing work? Will it be like live as, as it's going on, or is it something that's taped and then re-aired? Taped and then re-aired. That's badass, though. That is, that is a hell of an honor that they uh, have trusted you. But, I mean, you get a lot of people through the doors at this thing. So, I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's a great it's a great way for Purina to uh, showcase this. Absolutely. We're, we're excited. We're thrilled. But we're, there's some other things we're doing um, this year. Some other breaking news. Uh, Friday is going to be free shoot Friday. So we have that um, shooting village um, where you can come and try out shotguns and rifles and pistols and long range rifles. Uh, there is normally a cost associated um, with buying those rounds just because of the price of ammunition. This year on Friday, um, there is no cost to come and shoot. So you can you can come and shoot that afternoon. It opens uh, Friday opens at noon and closes at six, and people can come and pull the trigger as many times as they want to without a cost. And we're calling it Free Shoot Friday. Boy, someone's going to take them up on that offer and be there all <laughs> damn day long. Oh, Cletus is going to be sitting over there and he's going to shoot all day long. Show, I'm going to show you something, Ma. Shot twelve hundred rounds over there at Dubex. How how does that work? Do they? Do, are there guns for these people? Like, do you have a certain uh, contract with a, a gun manufacturer? Like, how does it work? So the manufacturers come in in a sponsor capacity. Okay. Uh, and, you know, Benelli, H&K, Browning, Winchester, folks like that. Um, and we have one side is shotguns. Mm -hmm. And then the other side is rifle pistol. And, you know, we have a big berm. The Fort Worth police are our uh, our uh, uh, firing line um, personnel there. So, you know, it's all very safe and handled by professionals. And if you want to try out a certain Benelli shotgun, uh, you come and say, that's the one I want to try out. Somebody walks you to the line. There's a thrower in front of you. Uh, you have somebody who's throwing clays and you sit there and get your five shots to try the firearm out. And then if you want to try another one on Friday, you just go and try another one. Actually on Saturday, you can do that too. It just, uh, we don't have, we are not going to charge for any uh, ammunition on Friday to go and do that. That's pretty cool. Oh, cause you could actually, cool. there are many places you can go shoot a gun to see if you try one or two. No, on it. no, that's pretty you know, good. Last year, if I remember correctly, last year was the first place anybody could shoot the Super Black Eagle 28 gauge, which had just come out, was at DUX, and they brought one. <laughs> they had one they could bring, and it was in somebody's hands all day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> that's how they wanted to come and, and shoot the 28 gauge. Well, that's the, my, you know, that is what I Super shoot as a 28. That's awesome. That would make sense, though, to have this be like a great big unveiling place for gun manufacturers. I mean, you're going to get and a bunch did. of people through the door. Yes, and they did last year. Yep. So we're excited about that change on Friday um, to allow people who want to come out early um, and not, I don't want to say fight the crowds. It's Texas Motor Speedway. It's never crowded. Right. Uh, but 
but for folks who want to come out and, and really take some time on Friday afternoon uh, to try some firearms out, that's going to be a, a great addition to it. We've got our uh, off-road village, as we have had in years past with Polaris and Can-Am anchoring that. Um, for, for, for a waterfowl hunting specific um, interest, we are holding our DU regionals, which is one of the sanctioned for the worlds. Um, the past two years, we've had the highest payout for all you duck calling competitors out there. We've had the highest cash payout of any regional, and I believe we'll uh, probably be the be able to claim that again this year. But then uh, we also do some meat calling contests um, in addition to that, with all kind of cash prizes and and uh, other items for the winners. And we've had a pretty good turnout for people to come and watch our calling contest there. So are you calling it this year, Andy? No, I will not. Is the, the regionals open to anybody, isn't it? Anybody that's wanting to punch their ticket to Stuttgart. Yep. You just, you just come and sign up. And two years ago, our regional winner won Stuttgart, won the world's. Really? Uh, I wonder who that would have been. Out of Louisiana. Uh, Richard. Which one? Richard. Richard. Oh, okay. Okay. That's his last name. And I, and for the life of me, can't remember his first name right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a resident of Texas, like, you know, some places you just come put your name in the hat and you're blowing up on stage, trying to punch your ticket to, to Stuttgart. Um, how was, uh, the into the vault event? That was the last time we talked to you. We broke an all-time record for the organization. We raised four hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. Wow! Hats off! Great job! Wow! Fantastic! So that we, was that was that was my first year doing this, and it was so much fun. I mean, it really was. Just seeing what everything was going for. I got a I got a Terry Redlin. Uh, it was a sketch. It's not a print, but it's a sketch that he did that he uh, later on and went and uh, did a painting on. My wife loved it. I had a I was going to put it in the podcast room. I was really disappointed. I thought that was my Christmas present. Oh, you was, did? Oh, yeah. I thought, yeah, that, that's oh, me for shit. Christmas. I'm all fired up. I was all excited. My bad. Yeah, that's I right. was going to... No, I'm very selfish because I don't buy art or I don't I don't spend money on me. I was going to put it in the podcast room. My wife loved it so much, she said it's staying in the house. That's great. So, um, Believe it or not, we are already working on next year's. Really? And each year I go, all right, this is it. <laughs> We're not going to be able to top last year. This is it. And um, sure enough, we already have the donations coming in for our chapters who want us to sell some of the items that have been donated to them in a consignment effort. And I think next year might have more items and be bigger than the one that we did this last year. Andy, I bought something that my wife didn't let me keep in the house. No. I bought All Staff Beer 1971 it's about this big around <laughs> marketing platter that I guess they would have hung in liquor stores or bars. And it's an old German scene of some dudes going hunting on horseback with Fraulein's handing them steins <laughs> of beer. And I, I brought it home and up, opened it up. I said, look what I got. And she said, it will look beautiful at the duck camp. <laughs> so that's where it's at. So that's where it's at. So that's where it's at. 
Yeah, I was, but it was so fun. It was, it was a lot of fun looking at the items, uh, what they were going for, and then putting in a bid and watching it and making sure that you were going to get the winning bid. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, so be, be told that somebody had outbid you, outbid you. That's the terrible email and text. <laughs> I, uh, I got outbid one time and then I, I, I put a bid in that I was like, nobody's going to outdo this one. So I ended up, well, good. I, end, I ended up winning. Uh, I'm so sorry. I did not realize that you thought that was your Christmas. Present. I was all excited <laughs> because I looked at some stuff and then we got busy around here and I'd forgotten about it. And then I was, it was over and I was like, son of a bitch. Cause there was, See, a, there was some piece that I wanted. And I didn't tell anybody out here what I was bidding on because these assholes would <laughs> log in and I guarantee you they would up me. So I, I did not tell anybody. I told them I was bidding. I didn't tell them what it, what it was on because that's, that would be the well, you move. Know, I see I, get, I see all the bids. I get a notification every every time somebody bids. So um, I saw you. Oh, you did, Jeff. Good. Jeff, I'll I'll give you my mailing address <laughs> offline, and next year I'll tip you off as to everything he's bidding. I appreciate that. What was what was there was something that was really weird that I, that I wanted. Was it a Barney Five pitcher? Was that the year before? That was a year before. Okay, there was something else like that this year that I saw, and I thought that'd be pretty cool to have, and I can't remember what it was, but it was something unusual. The, the signed Leonard Skinnerd album? No, but I bet that went for a shitload of money. Um, It did. There was an old Milwaukee pheasant hunting scene, 10. I bid on that and got what it go? What did it. it go for? Uh, I think that one went for about $270. Son of That's a bitch. That's a pretty good price. I'd have bought that. I would have bought that just yeah. to have up. My problem is I don't have room for much else. I'm going to have to build me a room here to just make it a freaking museum because I've got a – a guy gave me an old P-Row boat that he made 50 years ago. So I don't know where you're going to put that. I'm going to hang it up somehow. I don't know where I'm going to put it at, but I'm at the point now if I keep getting cool shit, I'm going to have to find me another spot. Well, here's the deal. We just expanded. We got a pro shop now. We've got this. And, and it's, I mean, full. it's all full of stuff. So that's what I mean. I got to build something else to put some stuff in. It's full, but I like old stuff like that. I don't understand people that do not appreciate it. I like those bronze that bronze behind you. Those ducks. Who who done that piece? Oh, on the table. It's right behind you. On the table. Oh. On the table. That is a um, a Ronnie Wells out of Texas. A Texas. Artist. That's really a cool bronze. That is that's uh, Gail Wins is the name of that bronze and ronnie did one there was a donor that commissioned ronnie to do one in front of the building here uh as a as a gift to du for when we moved into the building and it's like as tall as we are and um and then one year we did those in our merchandise package and my staff from texas gave me that um as a going away present that's very cool that's a cool what gift. what item went for the most money can you say it, it was one of the shotguns, one of the commemorative shotguns. Um, I think we had one go for about ten or eleven thousand dollars. Did you? See, what uh, What was the guy that got a, just got a divorce? Uh, was you, it from you Twin tell Peaks? The story? Oh no, no, I did. Yes, yes, and his Twin, wife divorced him over over uh, him buying decoys for half. He spent a half million dollars on decoys. Yes, uh, I saw that. Um, left him. He probably was a very good customer of Gotten Dieter <laughs> or something. He's probably into the I, vault. I saw the, the 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 son whose dad was on the podcast when I was at at Knoxville or at Nashville. The I guy had a lot of, a lot of dads Dieter, on the, the podcast. Gotten Dieter guy. Oh, okay. His son was at the podcast. I, I, I got a funny story though. 
about shit, I don't know, 15 years ago, probably I had a sales rep that used to deliver to me all the time out here or, or sold to me. He comes up one day and he goes, Hey, he goes, I got a divorce. And he goes, I forgot. I got this gun. I'd like to sell it. Do you think you could sell it for me? And he has a gun case opened up. It was the Browning a five ducks unlimited gun from like 1995, 96, probably somewhere in that time frame. And I go, Oh, that's a good-looking gun right there. He said, I've never shot it. He goes, I won it as a door prize at the DU event I went to. He said, I don't even duck hunt. He goes, do you think I could sell this? I said, yeah. He said, what do you think it's worth? I said, I don't know, 1500 probably. It's a long time ago. He goes, tell you what, you sell it, and I'll half it with you. He goes, I'm getting a divorce. I don't want my wife to know about it anyways. I said, okay. <laughs> so this was back towards the end of hunting season. I said, it may be next year before I sell it. That's not a problem. So I put it in the safe. Well, three four months later, he gets a job somewhere else. I never see this guy. He sits in my my safe for about eight years. So I look it up, try to look him up. I can't even find him. I think he died. So I look it up. So I asked my attorney, I go, what can I do with this gun? He goes, Oh, you've stored it for eight years. That's your gun. Now he goes, this, this, the, 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 just hold it alone is worth what are the, you know, the storage fees worth it. He said, it's your gun. You can do what you want. That's okay. So I thought, hell, I might sell it then. So I, had a, I was telling a customer about it one day. You got was, real motivated when you found out it was your gun to sell it, didn't you, Jeff? Well, more motivated than I was before, <laughs> but I really didn't. I really didn't care that much, anyway. So I have a, a customer of mine up here, and he's on an expense account, and I'm telling him about it. He goes, "Let me see that gun." So I showed it out. He goes, "What do you think it's worth?" I said, "I looked it up online. It's like thirty five hundred dollars." He goes, "Just put that on my exp- on my bill. I'll buy that gun." This guy bought that gun for thirty five hundred dollars and charged it to his the county, the company he worked for, as part of an expense account. He said, "Just put down there. I had seven extra guys with me. They'll never know." But he paid thirty. He paid thirty five hundred dollars for it. So, anyways, worked out better for you. Yeah, it worked out really good. But just uh. So, was that like the fiftieth anniversary A five? Probably. I had some I had mallards yeah. or something on the side. I can't remember. Now yeah. nowadays, yeah. I needed more. I needed money more then than I did now. Nowadays, I probably would not sell that gun. Just because I would. Well, those that's the one we sell. When we get one in, we sell for around ten grand. That's the most sought after DU gun of the year <laughs> out there. Even more, even more so than the first one from 1973, which was a uh, 1100. They only made 500 of them. That 50th anniversary A5 bar none is the one everybody wants to own. Why? So, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call that guy's kids and see if he still has that gun. Then it's, it's gorgeous gun. It's a the wood that they chose, the Browning chose to do with it was phenomenal. Um, it's a David Moss engraving That's it. on the side. That's a gun. Uh, yeah. You screwed yourself. Yeah. It's 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 a really good look. You screwed yourself. You screwed no. us. You screwed your grandchildren out of seven seven K, Jeff. Well, probably you would time, have blown that by. That'd probably be worth twenty K here in probably about ten more years. The way things are going. You screwed us. Maybe another another. I've got, I've got two Terry Redland prints that were signed that were the uh, one's a conservation print and one's something else, but they're the big, big, big prints with his signature. And they were like one of 500 and I don't know what they're worth. I think about three of them like that. And I could sell those all three probably. If it's, yeah. If it's, if, if it's an addition of 500, um, phew. You're probably talking a thousand dollars or better for those. Had got off. Uh, you probably probably more than that. That's a really low edition for red. Guy offered me. That's a really really. Guy offered me seventy five hundred for all three of them a long time ago, hmm. and I didn't sell them. Yeah, that's yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, almost yeah. started. He's an, still what, is Redland. 
Yeah, Redlands really he's still very sought after. Um, and later on in his career, he did, you know, there were Redland stores and malls. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and he had really hot numbers, but early on, um, earlier in his career, when he was doing those 500s or for us, 1500s, um, that were in our package, those are, those are hard to get and highly sought after. He's when did he die? Oh shit. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Like that. I got yeah. in trouble in college because I talked about him being a great artist and I was in an art appreciation class and this little wormy little liberal fucker that was my professor told me that he wasn't a good artist. I'm like, well, you name me somebody that's a better freaking artist than he is, you know? Him and Norman Rockwell, I think, are the two greatest artists ever. He named a bunch scoffed of Scoffed at you? Oh, big time scoffed at me. He didn't like me anyways. Hard to imagine. Well, I didn't care much for him either, so we got along real well. We had a mutual understanding. Um one of my favorite prints of uh, or series of Terry Redlands, and I don't have any of them, is the little boy that's got the puppy. Comes home from school, and there's the puppy. Then it shows the bus dropping the kid off, and the dog's four or five years old. And then it shows him graduating from high school, and he's got a girlfriend, and the dog's in the deal. And then it shows him going off to the Army, and the dog's got that little cross in the yard where the dog was dead. And that's pretty that's sad. Redland print? Mm-hmm. Oh, it, oh, Andy, it's so... It gets... It gets so sad. So I've never seen these. Last year, we had somebody in Wisconsin, a gentleman who was selling his collection and um, wanted Ducks Unlimited to benefit from it. So I drove to Wisconsin with some DU staff because there were so many Redlands, we had to go through them all. And I'd never seen that collection. So Jeff, we, we come to it and I'm like, I've never seen these. And and uh, one of the staff with me goes, look, it's like a series and the boy's growing up. So just like Jeff said, he's got a puppy and he's a little kid. And he goes off. I think one is him winning the football game and coming home in high school and all of this. And the last one after he goes off into the Army are the uh, folks coming up to tell his mom yeah, that he died. Geez. It's a sad deal. Like that's the last in the series. And I'm like, <laughs> man, this just yeah, it used to make me almost cry when I look at it because I almost bought the series and I told Michelle, I can't do this well, shit. It made me freaking that. depressed all the time. I get, I can't, this uh, is, uh, I'll, this I'll is do less. more work looking for it, but you, I'll have to, I got to look at the stories like that kill me. And I'll tell you what else kills me is a dog dying. I don't know why, but for an animal to die, just, it just, oh, and, and people back here in the hunting business. Yeah, but I'm not friends with that duck, you know, but you, 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 you show me an old dog that's lived its whole life and it passes away. That just kills me on the inside for some reason. Just so touching. But he is such a great artist in the stuff that he does. And there's a place in uh, Arizona, or not Arizona, in Nebraska, where Nebraska and South Dakota meet. The Missouri River goes through there. And I can't remember the name of the damn town. But uh, Josh Moore that works for me, he turkey hunts there. His uncle owns some land there. And, and we drove through there one time, and I thought, that's that same, this is the same place. And it's not, but it looks just like that place where it shows the guy glassing over the Missouri and the birds are flying and him and his dog are sitting down. He's got a golden retriever. Yeah, I can find that. And the old pickup. And that's right here. That's that's a great print. But Yeah, and well, that's the part of the world that's yeah, beautiful, beautiful place. I want to go uh, to his museum. That's on yeah. my that is on my bucket list of places I have not been to in this country, is to go to his place. I think it's in Jamestown, isn't it? I believe that's correct. I've not been to it. The people who have been to it said it is outstanding because so many of the originals are there. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, looking at an original piece of artwork, especially something that you know is so much more brilliant and vibrant than anything that can be reproduced, even in a in a G clay. Um, and that's all that's on my list to to get to one day, just because he was such an integral part of Ducks Unlimited and all of that arc back in the 80s and oh, early 90s. That I'm telling did. you right now. So Professor Goldberg, you can kiss my ass. He is an artist and a great one. See, an art like this, I understand, but there are so many of the most famous pieces of art I do not get. Like the Mona Lisa, it's just an ugly woman in a veil. I don't get it. And I don't, maybe, maybe I'm not refined enough to get it. I don't know. He was drunk when he painted it. He had beer goggles on. That's why she looks that way. But there, But like this... You know, I understand, but maybe it's just because maybe somebody that doesn't come from the hunting world will look at it and be like, I don't get the big thing that, about it. But what's the one with uh, that Van Gogh printed, the blue and black one with the Starry Night? Yeah, that right there. Another one. I, mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay a dollar for it. But they, I mean, I don't know. Priceless. If you ask the right people. I don't know who comes up with these decisions. Now, do you not consider art the Sistine Chapel? What what do you mean? Michelangelo paint, painted that on the ceiling. Right. That is absolutely amazing that he could do that. I wouldn't oh, yeah. want it in my house or in my bathroom, but it's amazing what he did. Yeah. But I don't I but that to me is art right there. That's art. Ter, uh, Kincaid, is that the guy's name? He's he's got really good art. My favorite artist is Les Cuba. I love Les Cuba cuz Les Cuba prints make me cold cuz I feel like I'm sitting in the middle of the Great Lakes or Minnesota on a lake shooting divers when I see his prints. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I love Chet Renison. Chet Renison, which is that that sporting art. He he's he's kind of like a Cuba, but Chet always has, or it seems he does, not in his tarpon pictures, but in his duck pictures. It's like it's always snowing, and the 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 blue uh, the uh, bluebills or the redheads are always coming into the blocks, and the hunters are never ready. And the black sky behind them. <laughs> I just, I love that. A dog alert and some dude's pulling the skiff up in and here come the bluebills. I just love oh, it. Oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of his work before. That's that uh, guy in Dieter. Right and now. of course, the one, that, one that is kind of surplanting um, Redland is David Moss you, from that yes. real realistic type art. Um, that people love, and Moss is a true master as well. Do y'all have the Maynard Reese original at DU's at DU's headquarters of King Buck? No, um, I don't know where that is. I don't. I don't know if anybody knows where that is. What? Like it's there's there's lore and legend around who has that. I saw one of the original. It, it wasn't the one that they put on the tag, but one of the, like the original sketches. He he dicked up the eyes a little bit. The one on the the one on the the one that w came on the waterfowl stamp was a lot better than one of the original ones. The original ones. I've got one of my. So what I have I have seen. So when Reese did that, there are actually four editions of it because he could kept. There were so many people that wanted them, he kept making editions of them. The fourth. Believe this is correct. There were three that were black and white. The fourth, he actually hand tinted the um, King Buck. So the you know it's a black lab and the mallards coming in and and he hand tinted each one of them uh, personally 
And I think there were 50 of them in that edition, and I have sold two in my career. Wow. And if, if you go to uh, look them up on federal duck stamp valuation pages, they won't give you a value on them because there's too few and no records of them selling. Wow. I'll tell you a print I have in my um, in the pro shop. We've got one called the Wetland Wanderers by Cynthia Fisher, and it's five widgeons and there's a pintail in the grass. I won that at a DU banquet in 1996 or 97, and that is still one of my favorite prints I have. And it is at it's in my pro shop. You need to go recount those widgets. Yep. How many is there on there? I see seven. Okay, well, shit, I can't remember. And there's or one. Eight. One of them's a pintail that's in the background. It's a pintail you can't see. But anyways, it's a cool print. I'll tell you what, the old boys that are from uh, we was at Game Fair last year, and there were some boys that that the boys that win the federal duck stamp all the time from up there. They Hoffman's, Oh man, the, boy, they got some cool stuff. They do. They're great. Yes. We've done. Uh, we did a, a DU films with them. I think two or three years ago, or maybe it was a TV show, and. Um, I've never met them, but my understanding is that they're just really genuine, genuine uh, people. A lot, lot of talent. What's the guy's name from Maryland we had on that won the duck stamp a couple of years ago? I can't remember. I remember having him on, but I don't remember who and he does. He, well, he's got a beautiful print of two widgeons on the um, – widgeons my favorite duck anyways. He's got a, two widgeons that are on a uh, – they're on a print that he has that he sells too. But he won the federal duck stamp two years ago, and I can't remember the guy's name either. Um, it was Richard Clifton. Yeah, Richard Clifton. Richard Clifton yes. from a couple years ago. Because it's been Joseph Hotman, James Hotman, Clifton, Leroy Storm, Hotman, 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 and then a couple years, and then it's Hotman, Hotman, Hotman. They've got the market cornered. Richard Clifton did win in 2007 again. So, you know, like this. It's kind of like Brady. Like, you know, it's mostly Brady winning the Super Bowl, and then you got a Manning and a Roethlisberger here, but. Most of the time, it's just Brady. Brady, 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 Brady. Brady, Brady. What did uh, the states, like when I was a kid growing up, Texas had its own duck stamp. I haven't seen a Texas duck stamp in 20 years. They went to this waterfowl endorsement deal. But I don't understand why they don't do it because people bought those to have as a collector's edition also. And I guess they were just losing money. Yeah, well, so they used to, and I think it, so the whole state duck stamp and and print, um, about the late 90s is when those things reached their peak of everybody wanted a collection of them, and they were, at that point, people started going, where am I supposed to put the next one? Right. Right, so what I've seen in my career is, the value of everything but the first of state. The first of state still carries an incredible value, especially those states that were some of the first to start it because they had so many few prints that they did with them. California, Iowa, um, they those are really, really, really hard to find. So uh, I think the reason why they don't do them anymore is because there's not a market for it anymore that that's what it is people just yeah i got a friend of mine that's got and we get a lot of them donated we get a lot donated and like for end of the vault we'll put we'll put them all on there but the first of states are the ones that everybody wants just because it's the first right um you even see it in in federal 
duct stamp and prints to an extent. Um, once they started putting out 17,500 stamp and prints a year, well, what's the exclusive? Right. How exclusive is something that there's 17,000 of? I mean, they don't even make 17,000 of a model shotgun in a year. So um, they've really lost a lot of their value. I would like to know how many people or what the value is, because I know a person that's got this. They've got every federal duck stamp from the day one to the, the present day one. I would like to know what a collection like that would be worth. It's not as much right. as it used to. Right. Even for the, Just, the old it, ones? The, the old ones are incredibly valuable, but – it's hard to find somebody who wants to buy the entire collection. Right. I think it'd be neat but if just, you had a board with every one of them on there. Just because it's like, what am I going to do with all? Yeah, but. What am I going to do with them, right? So we have a display here in the building and it's awesome. People love to walk around and look at it. And that's, you know, that's the year I was born and that's the year my kids were born. But then I say, hey, I've got three of these for sale. Oh, yeah. I'm good. I don't know where I. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was so disappointed because I was another thing I was looking at in, into the vault was uh, the year I was born and it's a redhead. I'm not a redhead <laughs> fan, so it wouldn't it wouldn't go good in the podcast room. What's really amazing is when you look at how much the first duck stamp cost to what they cost now. What was it like twenty five cents or something? I bet it was what a dollar the first duck dollar? stamp. Yeah, it was. was yes, yeah. if you look at inflation, it was a whole that that first one was a whole lot more than what we pay today. Really. And Andy, I, I wish I had a redhead for my year because I'd have it up in my office. And I grew up in Florida. We shot a lot of redheads. Yeah. Mine is a stellar Zion. <laughs> I've never even that. shot one of them. I was born in 68. <laughs> I have no idea what 68 duck is. 68 is a hooded merganser. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, that's a shit duck. <laughs> what was, isn't 70 a stellar Zion? Uh, no, 70 is a Roscoe's. Done by Edward... Beerly. Beerly. Yes. It was the first, and I'm going to butcher this, Intaglio offset printed stamp in 1970. Yep. Whatever, yep. whatever that means. For some reason, what's 69? 69 is a white wing scoter. Maynard Reese did that. Oh, Maynard. I sure hope I'm getting the right list on this. Yeah, list of federal duck stamp You're orders. right. You forget what year you was born? You want to try for 71? Uh, 70, but it's 70, but... There's uh, maybe 73 is a Stellar's Eider. Okay, then I got it wrong. Maybe, of course, it's how you look at it, though, because they're also half years. That is true, like, too. Maybe I was thinking of the Scoter, because the Ross Goose is pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool bird. It is. They're all cool. They're all cool. White wing a hooded merganser is not cool. <laughs> but, like he said... That might not. Maybe you were a long-tailed duck. I've shot a. I've shot a hooded merganser though. Speaking of which, this is your birthday, and I hadn't even told you happy birthday, Jeff. Well, my birthday's really tomorrow. You don't have a birthday. I'm a leap year, year baby, so I don't have a birthday this year. So sorry. So what does that mean? Like seventeen years old? No yeah. shit. No, that would make me at sixty-eight. I am fifty-five, so I really do not have one. Next year, I will be fourteen. Okay. okay. There was a time when I was 28 and I thought, you know, I could play seven year olds basketball and kick their ass and stuff. <laughs> now, Check the birth now 56, 14 year old. No, they're taking me the whole. So no, I'm, I'm old, too old to do that shit. But is, uh, on, on these, 
stamps, is there still a hefty monetary gain for these artists or is it not like it was a long time ago? Uh, no, I think, I think people that put in for it, I don't exact amount, but I think that people want to win that. Cause for a long time um, it was the million dollar duck, wasn't it? Then they made a whole show about that. Yeah. I think, well, they had a, they had a documentary on it. Yeah. That's very, that's really interesting because of the artists who put in, who know they're not going to win. Um, but you know, bedazzled ducks and, there was one entry this year, Cyrus Baird. He used to work for DU, and he's over in D.C. now. And I think he's still in the industry, but he did one. It was a great white shark chasing a mallard. I Is saw that, that real? I thought that, that, was was, an that was an entry. I thought that was fake, too. That was an I, I thought that I thought the internet was just having fun with something. I did not realize that was a real entry. He's on his shirt now, too. They did him like that. They get them like that every year. And can you imagine? That's what Baird said on his post. He said, can you imagine how many of these would have sold? How much money would have gone into conservation <laughs> through the duck stamp? Had they, and it, and it gave me pause and I went, yeah, there'd have been people buying duck stamps who would never bought them ever before in their life. <laughs> if I'd have saw that, that I'd have thought, this is a fucking joke. There's no way. No, I, that's what I thought. I thought the internet was just having fun. I, I saw the picture. It's on a t-shirt now, I think. It's everywhere. But that is a real deal. I did not know that was a real deal either. I thought I was like, yeah, I just thought somebody was making right. one of them funny stickers yeah. and stuff they do. That's pretty interesting then. He's right, though. Like, they would have had record sales, just people getting it as a novelty. Think about it. Think about it. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's wrong. The, the crazy thing is, whoever gets first place or who gets tenth place, it's just an opinion between them. They're both great pieces of art. Probably right. the first, the top hundred are probably really, really great because there's just. But for that one family to keep winning I, over and over is amazing. I had to judge. Let me rephrase that. I got to judge the North Carolina Junior Duck Stamp. Um program one year competition and there were five or six of us that were judges but being a judge of a duck stamp program is kind of like being a judge at a duck calling contest it sounds or or a barbecue contest it sounds like fun until you're in the eighth round yeah. and then you're like yeah this this isn't fun anymore right and how do i this over this mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah barbecue contest you'd be a fool son of a gun there's a show on netflix i've been watching called drinks or something it's a it's a cocktail contest and they got these judges are judging 12 drinks and they drink like three drinks like fuck there is no way by the time you have your 30th drink no. that you're even close there's to no the first, way. you're soused you'd be drunk or disgusted and i don't know <laughs> yeah the wrap around. Around. yeah <laughs> i like i like bourbon and I like cigars, but I can't tell you anything. It, not a one of them hits me any differently in the palate and in the back and the front and my nose. Like it's all the same to me. I like it. It's fun. Hey, but I, I, I can't to, judge it. I hate to tell you this. Yeah. Have you looked at your watch? It's four o'clock. Your wife's going to be on my ass and your ass in a minute. We're supposed to leave in 20 minutes to go eat. 445. No, it's not what I was told. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll be all right. We have a big basketball game out here. A uh, yeah, a county rivalry in the third round of the basketball championship playoffs. It's gonna Ooh. get it's gonna get rowdy. And it's gonna be a really rowdy game, and they're playing in a place, and I don't think they've got enough seats for everyone that's gonna be there. I don't know. It'll be all right. I'm just going for the for the beer before the game. So 
I was going to say, can you did you sneak bourbon into basketball? <laughs> I didn't play. I didn't, did you sneak bourbon into I, basketball like you do a football game? Probably not, but uh, the, we're going to go eat at a restaurant, so I'll get good and liquored up before I could. Go. Andy's on school board. It would be frowned upon for him to do that. Ah, they'll never know. They'll never know. But yeah. So, David, we will, we will see you at Ducks, right? Yep, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're excited It'll about it. It'll be here before we know it. That's what's crazy. Like it says, the calendar says February, but we're going to turn around twice and it's going to be May. I know. And in fact, the team's out there right now. They left this morning um, to go and meet with Purina. Where are we putting the TV towers um, to, you know, take a look at where everything's going in the shooting village, out of the ATV courses. Um, get all laid out. It's it's here. It's exciting. It's time. very good. We're we're excited. We're happy to be. Uh, we're happy to be with you guys another year, um, and we will see you in May. So Friday, free shoot Friday. Come out with the family. Bring them if there's a new gun you want to try out or an old gun that you want to make sure that you like before you purchase it. Free shoot Friday, and then we'll have the Purina guys out there uh, showcasing their amazing dogs. So it's going to be a great time. We look forward yeah, to it. Come watch. Yep, incredible dog challenge. Be awesome. awesome. Well, listen, we'll see you uh, in the not too distant future, my friend. Great talking to you. All right, guys. Hey, All right. Thank Stay. you. Great visit as normal. Thank you, sir. Bye. God bless you. Bye. One of my favorite guests. Cool dude. He knows. So I could much. sit and chill. We, I could chat with him all week long. We could go hunting. We're just chat all day long. Just go chat. Not even. Not even throw out a decoy. Interesting. Interesting man. Very interesting guy. I do. I think that the, this year's are right because I remember. Redhead was my print, and I was like, fuck that. I'm not buying that. <laughs> so I went with the Redland thing. Well, I like the Redland thing. I was really disappointed on Christmas Day. I thought, damn, I'm get a package from them. It's going to be this print. I'm so excited. <laughs> nope, not happening. I was going to put it up in here somewhere. And then Jesse was like, no, this is. Well, if I'd have got it for Christmas, it would have went right up there. This is my jam. Above and, the specs. And, and, and she does not put up anything in our house. Like, our walls are bare just because she does not. She can't. She's not an artiste. So you do need some more pictures up in the house. <laughs> I'm telling you, but there's nothing there's there's nothing out there, uh, and our walls are massive. That's why you need some. You need a bigger TV. I saw a bigger TV the other day that I was thinking about buying. No way. Oh, it's sweet. Bigger than yours? Yep. Jesus. Ninety six inches. I thought yours was a hundred. Maybe it is smaller than mine then. Is mine is is mine a hundred? I don't know. It's big. I've got a. I've got a big TV and yours is bigger than mine. But anyway, my wife, she's very particular about what we hang up. And this somehow made the cut. Never thought it would. I thought it, like you, I thought it was going to go above those speckle bellies or behind me or. We look good up there. But anyway, she's going to keep it. So I think mine's 92. I don't think it's 100. I don't know. I didn't buy it. Mom did. All right. Let's get we got to get out of here. We got to go to a big basketball game. No, I'm not even eat dinner. Not even a basketball fan, but me neither. We have been the last the kids have enjoyed it. That's so. what counts. I can't wait to see the boys. All right. God bless y'all. Thank y'all. Appreciate it. God bless. Bye. Come out in May. Okay. Go check out Lucky Duck, Shin Gear Waiters, Gundog Outdoors, Pacific Calls, Dive Bomb Ministry, Boss Shot Shells, Mossberg, Looking Glass Podcast, The Hunt Proof App, Alpha Outdoor Specialty, Fangtail Whiskey, Stanford Hunting Outfitters, Dirty Duck Coffee, Ducks Unlimited, and Double T British Kennels. <laughs>